to People Like Us, a podcast for and about third culture kids everywhere. I'm Jen Mohindra. I'm also a TCK and I have a Facebook group for TCK adults called, unsurprisingly, People Like Us. Hello and welcome to today's episode of People Like Us. Today I am delighted to be joined by Nerly Yusuf. Nerly, hello, how are you? Thanks for joining me hello. today. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> so, as always, I'm going to launch straight into the first question, which is to invite you to tell me about where you grew up. All right. So, um, my first of all, my father's background, he is Malaysian. My mother, my mother is also Malaysian. Um, so nationality wise, I am Malaysian by passport, by nationality and everything. Um, I grew up as the daughter of a diplomat where my father worked with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and he started off his journey in Australia for four years and he returned back to Malaysia to marry my mom. And that's when they started their journey together. Their first country was Saudi Arabia, which was where my brother and older sister was born. They lived there for four years before moving to Northwest Africa in Morocco. And they lived in Morocco for four years, which was where my older sister and I was born. So I was born in 94 in Morocco. And when I was eight months old, before I could even speak, I had a passport and was shipped to Russia. <laughs> so we moved to Russia for five years. That was where I spent the first um, years of my life. All I remember was snow and igloo and snow blizzards and everything. And then when I was around five, six, um, we moved to Malaysia. So they sent us to Malaysia. That was where I had, my mom gave birth to two of my younger sisters. And we lived there for around two years and a half. When my younger sister were, was eight months old, we moved to Budapest, Hungary, which was where I started my primary school. And um, we lived there for almost four years. Um, after Hungary, we moved to Qatar, to the Middle East, in the Gulf. So we lived there for six years until I graduated high school. And after six years in 2012, we moved to Malaysia again. Moved to Malaysia, that's where I started university. So I came back to Malaysia when I was around 18 years old. And in 2014, my family moved to Singapore which was my dad's last posting before he retired in 2018. And then we moved back to Malaysia ever since then. So it's been around almost three years in Malaysia now, permanently. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm taking notes and, and my, my page is full. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a lot of moves from a very early age. Um, yeah. and, and such different places too. I mean, the one that yeah. sort of really stands out is Malaysia to Budapest and then to Qatar, such such yeah. different countries. Yes, yes, very, what, very different. What are your memories of those moves? Um, I think when I was younger, I didn't really understand why I was moving so much. To me, it, it was just like pack and go, pack and go, kind of like a nomad, really. And then, um, you know, I thought it was just very normal. I thought everyone did that. So... 
um, it was all I knew until when I started school in Malaysia, I was the only one out of my siblings who started in um, public school, mm-hmm. you know, and in public school, the children didn't have that kind of exposure and then didn't understand why I was born in Morocco and lived in Russia before coming back, uh, before l- coming to Malaysia. So I just remember we were state. We, they only sent us back to our home country for around two years, unless, um, let's say, my mom's case, she gave birth to my little sister. Then they extend. They wait till the baby's eight months old before they send us out. So we stayed in Malaysia for two two and a half years, maybe. And um, and my dad said, you know, we're gonna move. I was like, again, <laughs> we would, I just started school, and he was like, yeah, we're gonna move to Budapest, Hungary. I'm like, where is that? I don't know where that is. And then I had to leave my friends and everything. I was just, I think it was a state of confusion of what's going on. Like, what mm. is this? Is it my life or how come my cousins are staying here? And my grandma is here, but I mean, I only met them when I was six years old, but what is going on? I think a lot of confusion came into it. So, you know, I just remember packing and packing my favorite toys and everything. And then we moved to Hungary and we arrived there. It was winter. So from a tropical country to winter, wearing layers and layers of clothes, you know, of clothes and everything, I thought like, oh my God, this is where I live now. You know, then four years in Hungary of having this notice, beautiful European life and exposure and everything, kind of like similar to what we had back in Moscow. And then my dad said, one summer holiday, I was going into year seven, in, into secondary school and I was super excited. And then that summer, he said, he came home from work and said, we're moving to Qatar. And I only heard about Qatar on CNN, which was Qatar Airways. And I thought, again, we're, <laughs> we're moving again. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, it's been four years here. It's time for us to move. And, you know, he did tell us, like, we may have to move every few years, um, every four years. I think at that age, when I was 10, my dad didn't really know how to explain the nature of his job, mm-hmm. moving around so much and everything. So I thought like, I told my friends and my teachers, I was like, guys, I gotta go. I have to start packing. I'm moving in two weeks. You know, I can't start school with you guys anymore. You know, it was really sad. It was really, really sad that time. And I was really ready to start secondary school. And um, yeah, we, we moved to Qatar and Qatar was six years long because my dad didn't want me to finish, uh, to stop high school in the middle. So he waited till I graduated. He, he asked for an extension so that we, I could finish high school there. Mm-hmm. So back to your question, I think a lot of confusion, happy, sad, a lot of why, you know, what is going on. So yeah, it's a mix, a mix of emotions really. Mm, you, you mentioned just then about you, your dad chose to stay in Qatar so that you could finish high school there before moving on. But mm. what about your siblings? Where, where were they uh, at in the school system? So I was the fourth um, child. I'm the fourth child. My brother at the time in Qatar, he was already in university. Mm-hmm. So he already moved to Malaysia um, when we were living in Hungary. So he started university. And then my older sister already graduated high school. My other sister already went to university. So the three elders already went to university at the time. It was just me and my younger sister who was six years younger. So she was finishing primary school when I was finishing secondary school. So we were the perfect age gap to finish (laughs) our time in Qatar. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we were so my dad decided to just finish it off, and then we can move to Malaysia for us to have a fresh start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I'm going to ask because having been to um, Budapest myself and having a couple of friends who are either Hungarian or of Hungarian descent, I think mm. that is a very difficult language. Um, mm-hmm. What what was it like for you? <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, learning languages was definitely, I think every TCK could relate to that. You know, it's just a matter of you're good at it or you're not. I did take Hungarian classes. Um, I did take Hungarian classes for around two years or three years. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. It is very, very difficult. The language, even as a kid to learn, to learn the language is very, very difficult. And um uh, that's why after two years, I decided to go into French rather than Hungarian. Mm-hmm. But I did know how to communicate and how to read in Hungarian, their alphabets, you know, to write. And they have a specific handwriting. I mean, it's it's the same same handwriting, but they have a specific way of writing it. I knew how to read it. I could I could communicate basic Hungarian. I could understand basic Hungarian. I was the one in the family that my mom would push to the counter to order for McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, because my other siblings, they would um the younger ones were too young. And then the older ones um were already in high school and they were not concentrating on foreign languages anymore. They were just doing their IGCSEs and getting it done and over with. Mm-hmm. So I was the one in the middle, the communicator I would say, the translator of the family. Yeah. Pushed to multiple counters. <laughs> It sounds like you had, and, and we discussed this just ever so briefly before we started recording, but um, it sounds like you and your siblings had quite different experiences of your, your TCK upbringing. Uh, would you mm-hmm. like to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so my two older siblings were born in Saudi Arabia, and they started school in Morocco. Um, in terms of languages, they spoke in Morocco, we spoke French and Arabic. So their first language is a little different than our, the rest of us. So they spoke, you know, French and Arabic in school and at home. My mom was learning it as well um, before they learned Malay or English and stuff. So they were raised mostly in Europe, which was Moscow, and then two years in Malaysia, then four years in Hungary. So they spend their whole primary school and um, secondary school in Europe, you know, so they're a bit more, you know, free spirited and then they could, you know, they're kind of like not under strict rules by the teachers or whatever, because it's a little different in Asia. We were were a bit more strict with um, rules and everything. So they're a bit more free going and my brother's you know, my, my sister is like that as well. She's very free going. She's like an island hippie. She's like island hopping here and there. So, you know, her types of friends are very, very different. Whereas me and my other sister, we were mostly raised in Qatar, you know, half, half hungry, half Qatar. So, you know, we had different rules, society rules applied to us, different religious rules applied to us and everything. So in that terms, I'm a bit more careful with you know, the Western culture and a bit more careful with the Middle Eastern culture and everything. And then my younger siblings were born in Malaysia, raised partially in Hungary, Qatar for their primary school, and then they were in Singapore for their high school. So Singapore is basically Asia, but 
a very much westernized, westernized, westernized um, Asian country. Mm-hmm. So they have a mixed background of that. And we're quite a different, um, what is it? Some of, were born in the 80s. The younger ones are born in the you know, 2000s. So different mentalities in terms of generation as well. So that's how we're just like a big bunch of um, cultures and you know and then come my parents coming into it who was never a TCK you know from a small town in Malaysia and then having kids who are just (laughs) everywhere it's like how do I handle this perspective and this perspective they're fighting over one thing but this things of this situation this way and then this is having a different perspective on it you know some might see it as a problem some might not see it as a problem you know in that sense, it can become a bit um, messy in the house if there was a disagreement because we're all very vocal with ourselves. Um, you know, when it comes to problems or fights or anything, we are pretty vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents don't really know how to handle that. I think to this day, they don't really know how to handle that. You know, so they just kind of like walk out of it and <laughs> leave us to it. Like we know how to solve the situation, you know. So yeah, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds like a lot. And it, it must be difficult to be a parent, with, as you, you describe, with kids of um, such variety in, in terms of how, how you've been brought up in, in the different places. You mentioned Definitely. also about um, different perspectives, and mm-hmm. that's something that I see as being one of our... TCK superpowers, if you like, is that ability to see things from different perspectives yeah. because of the, the varied upbringing um, that, that we've had. How would you say that that has benefited you as an adult now? I would say emotions. It has benefited me a lot because... Um, a lot of people that I'm friends with in Malaysia, they don't see certain ways, certain things the way I do. You know, I always, I realize I always find the middle ground in everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's say if, you know, as whether we like it or not, racism still does happen in every country, you know what I mean? And it's, in Asia, it still happens. So if someone were to say something, oh, because of he's of this race, but then I'm like, no, you have to understand in his culture, that is their practice of doing that. You know, let's say you don't like someone touching your shoulder when they greet you. So they, you know, people might think it's rude. Let's, I'm just, for example, like, mm. they might think it's rude. Like, oh, it, you know, why did he touch me? It's not, it's not very polite. He should just shake my hand, but not touch my shoulder. But sometimes I'm like, but you have to understand in his culture is the norm is the norm to do that. So maybe him coming to our country, he doesn't know if that's how you greet people, you know? So this kind of stuff I do have, I understand so much more from my upbringing. Like I learned about my, I've been to, you know, all sorts of houses. I've been to, you know, Christian houses and you know, Buddhist houses, people of different cultures and Japanese houses. So their, their practice, their lifestyle is so unique. Every single house you go to is like, you go to a different country, basically, you know, mm. and you start to understand their practices, you know, to wear shoes in the house, to not wear shoes in the house, to, you know, give prayers before eating, to not give prayers before eating, you know what I mean? Do you hold hands? Do you do this? Do you do this? You know what I mean? So you learn all of that when you go to your friend's house growing up. So I feel like it does um, resonate a lot with them. 
how I handle my emotions, um, because you always have to stay on the middle ground as a TCK. You mm -hmm. can't be too strong of this, you can't be too strong of that, you know, and um, it really helped me to, for my mental health, really, because I realized people do get very, very um, angry, maybe some, maybe aggressive when, you know, with their perspective, because they don't understand the other person's point of view. They cannot, uh, what's the word? They cannot compromise to the other person's point of view. But for us growing up, we had to compromise everything. We had to compromise everything in every single country. So we came to a point where we're just at peace with it. And, you know, compromisation when it comes to culture and people's behaviours and all of that, we just, it's something very normal for us. Mm. So even when it comes to conflict, you know, conflict at work, conflict with you know in a relationship or your friends or anything you always try to for me I always try to find a middle ground rather than be so emotional towards it you know mm, I'm, I'm hearing a couple of things there and it's a, a very developed um, sense of cultural awareness and also <laughs> emotional intelligence yeah fantastic skills and traits <laughs> to have you, you mentioned work how would you say has your TCK upbringing affected your career choices? Mm. I think it has affected it and I think it's both. It has um, positive sides of it and there's negative sides of it, mm -hmm. you know, the pros and the challenges. But the pros I would say is that, um, you know, you just get along with everyone. Like you get along with all the different departments. You get along with every race, every person of all different levels, you know, especially in Asia. I, I only have working experience in Asia. And especially in Asia, in Malaysia, we do have certain um, rankings of people in society. You know, there are people that are given a specific title and you have to treat them a specific way. So people who don't have that title, they tend to become very, very um, scared of like, how should I treat this guy? Should I call him sir? Or, you know, should I, you know, there's, there's a different um, language that you have to speak to them. And they see them as like, oh my God, I'm really scared of this guy. I don't want him to talk to me, you know, and stuff like that. But for me, it was like, I feel like growing up in international school, you meet parents from all different types of backgrounds. You meet housewives, you meet artists, you meet like fashion designers, you meet politicians and everything. So that kind of, you kind of like pull that a wall down mm -hmm. and it's just like, hey, like, how are you doing? You know, it's just not, not, nothing, nothing scary about it. So I feel like for me, it helps helped a lot with bravery, you know, mm -hmm. and not, um, not being scared of just talking to people and communicating and regardless of their title or their social status or anything. Um, with that being said, I, the challenges that come with it is for me, mm -hmm. um, feeling that you're an outcast sometimes, even though I do get along with everyone. Um, sorry, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> no worries. Um, I do, I do get along with everyone, but at the same time, I'm considered kind of an outcast because, you know, there's some stuff in the Malaysian community that the way they joke around some words they use that I never heard of growing up. And when they make those jokes, I don't understand it. You know, it's like, you're Malaysian, but you're not Malaysian. And then when, when they laugh and I'm not laughing, my face is just still, I'm just smiling or something. And they're like, oh, nobody doesn't understand. She's not Malaysian. You have to understand she she doesn't understand what I'm what we're talking about because she wasn't raised here, you know. So there's always that like 
I'm with you, but I'm not with you. Like, I think every TCK has that feeling of confusion of I belong with this, but I don't belong with this. I belong, do I belong more here, but not really, you know? So that's kind of the challenges I faced with um, in the workplace, yeah. Mm, I, th I think those, um, those cultural references, that the gaps that we had, uh, can be a, an ongoing reminder of, yeah, we were, we weren't, we're not from here. We, we didn't grow up like you did as yeah. in the people around you. And, right. and that right. adds to that, mm, where do I really belong? Mm -hmm. that, that sense of belonging, which is often right. lacking right. for us. So on that, where feels like home for you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> big Such question i know big question simple question yet yeah big question oof um you know i like to ask this to all other tck's but i never got it asked to me which is funny <laughs> to me i feel like home is kind of not a place it's more of a feeling Mm -hmm. and it's a feeling that I can't really describe it's it's just uh, for me when so you know when people that I know over here they say oh I want to go back home I, it just reminds me of this reminds me of that I'm like where's your home like I want to go back to the other states like Johor or Sarawak the, you know Sabah and everything or Penang Island and you know everything about that place when they walk around Penang gives them that feeling of home Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is that feeling of home? And they say, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have eat ice cream at this ice cream truck. And, you know, I know this uncle who sells, you know, all the chips and all the snacks and everything. So I'm like, it's a nostalgic feeling. Home is a nostalgic feeling, you know. And sadly, there's not a place I can go to here that I can say, oh, I used to do that year. I used to do that mm. this year when I was 10 years old. You know, I don't have that strong nostalgic feeling other than my grandmother's house you know and my grandmother is no longer with us so mm -hmm. she passed away around 11 years ago and when she passed away I felt like that nostalgic feeling just went away with it mm -hmm. you know because she was my nostalgic feeling when I came back to Malaysia like I will always see my grandma you know and then now I just feel like I'm trying to make a home out of where I'm living you know but it doesn't feel as homey or the belongingness is not the same mm. um, but that the last time I had that nostalgic feeling I would say I was uh, I was I was living in Qatar at the moment and we had a school trip to Spain so we went to Madrid uh, Barcelona Catalonia and when there was this one time when I was in Barcelona if I'm not mistaken and I had that nostalgic feeling the winter coats the boots the hat the gloves and I saw the snow we went to some hilly area where there was snow and there was snow there and I felt like oh my god I feel so nostalgic right now this is all I remember about my childhood because mm -hmm. you lived in I lived in Moscow all I remembered was diving into piles of snow I don't remember anything less than snow I just because I was so small and it was what minus 30 degrees i'm like just swimming through it you know to me that was nostalgic you know to have yeah. that cold weather with the puffy jacket you know you wear like the face mask 
you know, with the goggles and everything. So your eyelashes don't freeze or, you know, so to me, that's, that's what makes me feel very nostalgic. Anything I see that's European design or something very antique, something that reminds me of Hungary. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, oh my God, I feel so attached to Hungary. And all my friends know this, like, here's my phone background and it's, and it's Hungary. It's a picture of Hungary, you know? It's, it's, I, I'm so attached to it. That's the... Oh yes, <laughs> I recognize that bridge. <laughs> yeah, so I felt, I felt most attached to Hungary. I don't know if I were to go there now, would I feel like home? Mm. I'm not sure. But right now, my attachment is towards Hungary. You know, that bridge specifically, um, going on the tram, going to my favorite sushi restaurant, going to my favorite ice cream uh, place, you know, to get some tiramisu and uh, some ice cream. So, yeah, I don't really know where, where home is. It's, it's a tricky one for us, isn't it? I mean, what you described, that feeling of nostalgia for a place or those memories is, is such a common feeling for us. And the reason I say it's tricky is because we have that memory from our childhood, but if we yeah. were actually to go to the place itself, yeah. then the place might've changed. We've certainly yeah. changed. And so there's that sort yeah. of disconnect. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a tricky one for us. It is definitely. And I do feel like sometimes do I want to go back to Hungary because I'm so attached to it with the memories that I had, you know, seeing whatever, like all my, my memories that I have in my brain, like, should I, I, do I just want to keep it as that? What if I go there and it changes my mind? I'm kind of worried about that. I'm just like, if I do have that change of mind, will I have that attachment anymore? You know? I know it's very emotional. It's very emotional. It's very uh, confusing as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, other places that you've lived, have, have you gone back to visit any of those? No, no. Once I left, I left and um, I graduated university four years ago, 2017. And I've just been working ever since. I have not gone back you know, my parent, my dad was too busy to even, you know, go back for summer holidays, like what his work is just 24 seven, you know, so once we left the country, I've never visited ever, ever. So if I were to go back to any of those countries, it would be like my first time back since that age, since that memory that I had. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but be the closest to go back to which, you know, even though my family did stay four years in Singapore, I was still in school in Malaysia. So I would go back every semester, just like back and forth, back and forth. But I wasn't really raised there. That's why I knew where my parents were. So it's kind of like my holiday destination. But that's the closest to us right now. That's a, you know, it's just a bus trip away. Yeah. <laughs> so looking ahead then, you've been in Malaysia for a few years now. You're, you're working there. Having had this upbringing of pack and move, pack and move, what feels comfortable for you now? Are you are you fed up with the packing boxes and that lifestyle, or is there a part of you that thinks, oh, it would be nice to go and and try somewhere else? Or what, how do you feel about the future? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Someone asked me this question recently, and I was like, oh god, I never thought of that, but. Now that I think about it, as crazy as it was to make new friends and, 
you know, uh, constant change in weather and language and religion and culture, I would not have changed anything about my upbringing. I would so do it again, over and over again till I'm on my deathbed somewhere in Africa. I don't know, but I would do it over and over again. It's not something that I have not considered, you know. Um, um, but what I can do for now, actually, I had a habit of moving houses because I got so bored quickly, mm-hmm. you know. I had that habit of like, I want to change to a different apartments. So I would move and move. And I didn't mind. I really didn't mind packing and go, packing and go. You know, my housemates were struggling with the packing. I was like, I'll do it for you. You know, I'll do it. I know exactly what to pack, what you need and what you don't need. There's some stuff you need to leave behind in life, you know? So, <laughs> so I, I did, I did um, move around a lot. So in three years, I moved to three different apartments just for fun. Like I just got bored and... I just wanted a change in my life. And to me, because we, we moved every four years growing up, except for Qatar. So we moved every four years. I got used to that number four. Mm-hmm. So four years in a place means it's too long. It's time to move on. Like I was staying in university from 2013 until 2017. Sorry, end of 2016. So it was exactly four years, 2013, 14, 15, 16. And I just moved out. I just moved out from that town to this town that I'm staying in now. And I thought four years is my cap. Like I, I need to move around every four years, you know? So yeah, it, it does like unconsciously it does. I did that, but I didn't realize it related back to the nomadic life that I had growing up and that I needed that constant change of environment and change of people, you know, the, the change of shops and everything. I didn't mind restarting mm, it's that ingrained cycle of change if you like and, and yeah. you know obviously I've spoken with many TCKs and some people talk about the three-year itch or the four-year itch or maybe even the two-year yeah. itch and it mm-hmm. often depends on what their cycle of change was growing up so yeah that that's super it's interesting true. yeah and I and I always hear that people they say oh I've lived in this house for 20 years I'm like what <laughs> Don't you get bored of it? Don't you want to like? <laughs> There's only so many or times you can was... move the furniture. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I mean, there's only four walls, you know, like you can't move the bed in every single wall. And, you know, people who have stayed in jobs for like 25 years, I'm like, how do you do that? How do you do that? Like for me, I get bored after like two years. I'm like, I got to go. You know, I got to try a different industry. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly, I'm looking at the time and as always, the time has absolutely flown by. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. I've so enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It went so fast. Thank you. Thank thank you you. so much for interviewing. I I really, really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to People Like Us. If you'd like to join an online community full of people like us, hop over to Facebook and search for People Like Us. You'll find my group and you're very welcome to join us.